All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey guys, Tim here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Or maybe you've got one that just doesn't seem to be growing the way you want it to. I'm going to be teaching an online course to share everything I've learned about growing Dropping the Gloves. In this course, we'll be covering how to start your own show and plan your content, monetize your podcast, build an audience, create a brand identity, leverage audience feedback, and analyze data in a way that's actionable. Here's the catch, though. You can find information about basically all of those things from a simple Google search. So I'm not going to share boring how-tos or best practices. Instead, I'll be sharing real stories from our experience with growing the show and the important lessons we learned along the way. Mistakes we made, what we wish we did differently, and how we turned a fun side project into a real business. And most importantly, how you can apply these lessons to your own podcasts. It's a 90-minute class that you can attend either of two nights, October 23rd and November 14th. You can find a link to more information in the bios of any of our social media pages, but also feel free to message me if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drop in the Gloves. Thanks for joining us. It's a nice October 10th already, Tim. Where did the time go? The season is upon us. It starts tonight. Can you believe that? We got through the whole boring off season. We got through the draft, all the free agency, the dog days of summer, Tim. It's here. It's finally here. There's three games tonight. Nashville, Tampa, Seattle, Vegas, and then the one everyone's talking about. It's Pittsburgh, Chicago. It's doesn't it feel good to get through it? Because as a podcaster, you, you can only talk about so much for so long. It's nice to have some meat on the bone, right? It is, but at the same time, I feel like it flew by. I maybe that's just part of getting older and these days just go by quicker, but it didn't feel like a really long offseason. There was a lot that happened, um, but it's good to be back. Good to be back. I can't wait to just lay on the couch tonight and just watch real hockey. It's going to be great. Three games. I, I splurged ESPN Plus, so I'll be watching all the stuff. It's I have to – gosh, it's going to be weird because of this whole Hawks thing. I have to like pay attention to them a little more and to just, just focus on them. But then I have the show. And at the end of the day, the podcast is the priority. right? Like That's the reason why I got the whole Chicago thing is because I can talk and I, I – cut my teeth here on the podcast. So listeners out there, don't think we're going to slack off because I've got showtime. That's not going to happen. Are you going to practice at home with Danielle between periods intermission? Just tell her what Bedard did and what Taylor Hall looked good doing and just practice at home. Well, I think if you know better than anybody, Tim, my wife hates hockey and she doesn't want me going to Chicago at all. So the, the less we say about, the whole Chicago deal, the better in our household. It's almost like Voldemort. You can't say the name. It if, just doesn't happen. If you weren't able to record the podcast at the office during the day and you had to do it at home and she had to plan her schedule around oh, it, would we still be doing it? Not as much as we do. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting, the dynamic I have at home, because it's almost like two separate lives. <laughs> Where it's like, I have the hockey life. We did our fantasy draft last night and I'm like, hiding in the kitchen and it's like what are you doing like nothing just drafting players i picked my phone out of my pocket like draft a player and put it away did you notice i was drafting so quick because you were right behind me or in front of me then behind me i was like my turn pick gone 
Like, let's go. Moving on. So there was not a lot of thought put into the draft process. My first pick was Jack Hughes. Did you like that? That was a good pick. You had some good picks in there. You I just thought it was, it was ironic because I know how you love Hughes. Because I was the sixth pick and I took Jack Hughes a little early, but I just thought it was funny. Well, I think he's going to put over well over 100 points this year. So good he's pick. never done it. He's never done it in his life. Yeah, but 99 points last year and he's 23. It's like, come on. In his I life, agree. In his the life. Devils as a whole are going to have a huge, huge uh, year. But anyways, I'm excited. The summer took, it, it flew by for me as well. So we're into October. It's fun. The fire's roaring at my house. And let's get to everyone's talking about him. Tim, it, it's, it's prime time. Very rarely do you see the NHL start a season with anybody but the, the Stanley Cup champions. It, it's become common, kind of, I don't know what the word is. It's just normal for the for the following season. The first game is, is the Stanley Cup champions opening the season. National TV, it's a big ticket. And they're doing that again this year, but it's Seattle and Vegas. Who cares, right? Nobody's going to watch that game. It's on the West Coast. The primetime game is two teams that didn't even make the playoffs last year. The primetime game is a team that almost came dead last. The primetime game is for a team that's on the downward back nine of their their franchise, the dynasty, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The reason this is primetime is Connor Bedard. This guy is the Taylor Swift of the NHL. He is moving needles left and right. Chicago Blackhawks are already ticket sales are through the roof. They're predicting their revenue to spike by two, three times compared to last year. Some are even saying six times as much they're going to make this year compared to last year because of big corporate sponsors, because of the boxes are all sold out. Everybody wants to be around this team, and it's because of Connor Bedard. Are you ready for the Bedard? Does he have a Lynn Sanity moniker yet? Is there some kind of like, let's get Bedarded in here? Is that it? That's the one. Yeah, I'm very excited. That that first face-off, I didn't realize he's going to be starting at center because um, he had been on the wing and center, but he's going to be in the center between Donato and Taylor Hall. You know they're going to give it to him and, and Crosby. Pretty cool, pretty special moment. It'll be a lot of fun to see. And then all of a sudden, he's an NHL player. What's you, what do you expect from his debut? Well, I think and this is – gosh, I did an interview with the Chicago Tribune last week. And it's the guy takes me out of context so many times, but – Last time I did an interview with him, um, <laughs> I expect him to be good. I expect him to be productive. I expect him to put up two, three, four points. I know I know it's a lot, and I'm putting a lot on this guy's plate, but I think he's earned it. He has earned the anticipation. He has earned the expectations because he's succeeded everywhere he's gone. You know, he goes to the World Juniors. Every country, their sole job is to stop him, and the guy dominates every single shift. He's in the WHL Regina Pats and he's putting up four or five goals a night. Like it's nothing like this kid. He's the real deal, Tim. So I, I fully expect him to succeed and, and uh, over just outlive his expectations, just blow him out of the water. You know what I mean? Like uh, he's that type of player. It's, it's going to be an Austin Matthews debut where he scored four goals his first game and everyone was just going nuts for him. I don't know. What do you think he's going to do tonight? You want to hear a funny story about that debut? Yeah. In fantasy hockey, I had Austin Matthews. And after his debut, when he scored four goals, I traded them for Oliver Ekman Larson because all the recent draft picks had been bust. I thought Matthews was going to be another Yakupov or Nuge or whatever. So all these kids that were just a little bit underwhelming. And I'm like, four goals in his debut is no way he keeps that up. Ekman Larson just had 56 points. He was a stud defenseman. And uh, yeah, it didn't turn out well. I predict for tonight, um, two assists. I think two assists, two assists. no goals, two assists. I think the the Penguins win. I feel like it'll be a good night. You'll see some flashy stuff from him. And just, it'll be good to just get it behind him, I think. There's so much anticipation, so much pressure. Just getting it out there. Don't embarrass yourself. And um, I mean, the spotlight's going to be on him all, all year long, whether or not they're on primetime national TV. So it would be good things for him this year. Tim, his first two games are prime time. He's get he gets ESPN, boom, right away. Then he's on TNT versus Boston two nights later. So it's it's incredible this guy how he's just demanding getting all this attention. He's not demanding it; he's just getting it. I hope he I hope he plays well for the NHL's sake because he if he comes out and lays down a stinker and it's just kind of underwhelming and the Penguins blow him out and it's just not a great game. 
that's not a good look. You know, you want, you want to set the stage. You want to kind of get people invested in NHL and have a good first salvo, so to speak for the, for the season. So it's exciting. There's some other good games. Seattle Vegas will be a good one out West competitively speaking, but I still don't want to watch the Seattle Kraken. I don't know what it is. They, they don't excite me like, uh, like even Pittsburgh does. I think, I think it's the star factor. You know, the Penguins have some people I want to watch play hockey. And I know Maddie Beignets is exciting, and I know they have some good players, but it's not Crosby, it's not Malkin, it's not Latang. They still have that name cachet. You know what I mean? Vegas, does Vegas have it? Do they have the Stone, Eichel? Do those guys move the needle for you, Tim? They do, but I feel like among even among the bad teams or middle-of-the-pack teams, there are guys that, like, Arizona, I feel like is kind of exciting. All the young players they got, obviously like Ottawa and Buffalo guys like that. Seattle's just like, I mean, they right. had a forty goal scorer in Jared McCann last year, and what? And he doesn't, and he moves no needle for me. You know, it's strange, but maybe that's just us on the East Coast. Uh, maybe the, I I was shocked when I dug into the the value of teams, how successful Seattle's been. In their first two years, they're a very successful team. They make money. They sell tickets. They have a good fan base. I think it is just the time zone chains. We're in the East Coast. You know, I'm in bed by nine, 10 o'clock. Like by the time they're dropping their puck when I'm just putting my kids to bed, I'm not staying up until midnight to watch their game, unfortunately. Anyways, moving on. There were some big moves last night, Tim. Seismic shifting moves that completely shocked me to the core. To the point where I had to pull over. I was driving. I was shaking so much. I didn't want to crash the car. The Winnipeg Jets. I tell you what. For a team, for a GM that doesn't really make any big moves. Kevin Dayoff has never been a GM that's been confused with a guy who's just, you know, like a Julian Breezeball with Tampa Bay. You know, the guy in Columbus, the Finn guy, who's just... They're gamblers. They go out there or Rutherford from Pittsburgh when he was there. They're making moves. They're trying to improve their team any way they can. They're trading draft picks 10 years in the future. Shevel Dayoff is a very conservative GM. He tinkers around the the exterior of the team. He doesn't like making big moves with, with the core. Well, boy, oh boy, did he did he surprise everybody yesterday who woke up yesterday morning? He signed his two stars. Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck to identical seven-year, $8.5 million. I literally was driving when Tim texted me. I was so shocked. It was insane. What did you think of this deal, Tim? Because this is a huge deal. Like This is, this is big-time news here. It came out of nowhere. There were no like reports of like, oh, this is going to get done, and they really... I mean, you always had the generic stuff like, oh, he wants to stay in Winnipeg. He wants to make it work. But nothing was imminent. And all of a sudden they dropped this news. And I when I remember, like it, it wasn't broken by the usual guys. The team just announced it. It happened quickly. So it is surprising. You look at their age. You look at the situation of their team. Are they going to be a cup contender in the next five years? No, no. And so what what do these contracts do for you, given your situation? This feels like there's a little bit of a loyalty play here. There's a little bit of like a, they'll win some games. Shifley at 42 goals last year. Hellebuck has been a top five goalie over the last five years. Like he's, they're, they're very good players, but what's your direction? What's your identity as a team right now? Where's your franchise headed? You're not a cup contender this year. You're not going to be better next year. Why make this move? I don't understand it. It's an interesting move, and I wrestled with this response for a while because my initial response was, why? What are what are you doing? Because I know everybody knows what I say is, are we in it to win the cup? And a part of me likes this because this is showing them that, yeah, we're in this to win. Mark Shifley is for as much... You know, criticism as he gets, you know, is he a team guy? There's there was rumors of stuff in the locker room last year. There's a reason he's not the captain of this hockey team. There's a reason, you know, there was turmoil in the room. Mark Shifley has had some issues and no one knows really what that means, but he's a very good centerman. He's a maybe top 20 centerman in the NHL right now, maybe top 15. Connor Hellebuck is the best goal in the league on any given night. 
The guy is an absolute superstar. He has dragged the Winnipeg Jets to competitive seasons where they had no business being competitive. All that aside, that being said, when you look at the history of the Winnipeg Jets, last year they lose in the first round to the Knights 4-1. to one. They squeak into the playoffs because they're playing in a bad central division. The year before that, they did not make the playoffs. The year before that, they're in the bubble. They're in the North Division. They win versus the Oilers in the first round. They lose to the Canadians in the second round for rip. The year before that, they lose in the first round to the Calgary Flames. The year before that, they lose in the first round to the St. Louis Blues. The year before that, 2017-18, was their only really successful season. They make it to the conference finals. They beat the Wild. They beat the Predators. But then they end up losing to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-1 to in the first round. That 2017-18 season is really their only successful season to date. What And I... It's it's a hard situation because you have good players. Shifley and Hellebuck are good players. And I want to hate this deal. I want to come out and say, what are we doing here? Why are we signing these guys? What's going on? It's funny. I like the Shifley contract better than I like the Hellebuck contract. And everybody I'm listening to or reading is opposite. They say the Shifley contract is going to be an albatross and Hellebuck is a star goaltender this will age well he's uh, he's been the the guy for the winnipeg jets throughout history i went back and did a little digging tim and i looked at all the recent contracts for star goaltenders we're talking 60 plus game goaltenders all-star stanley cup champions gonna have their jerseys raised in the rafters some of them and they age terribly Kerry price montreal canadians mvp candidate every for years when he was in his prime in Montreal, signs a big ticket, eight-year, $10.5 million contract at age 30. Exactly the age of Hellebuck right now. How does it end up? Price is 35 now. He tanked as soon as he signed that contract. Injury history, off-ice issues, not even in the league anymore. Sergei Bobrovsky signs a $10 million seven-year contract at age 30. The same age as Hellebuck. How did that age? Terrible season, terrible season, terrible season. Kind of got back to his normal self last year, but who knows how it's going to end up this year. So he was he was a healthy scratch for some games, Tim. He lost his starting job. The only reason he got back in the net because of injuries. Matt Murray signed a four-year, $6.25 million contract. We all know how that ended up. Jordan Binnington signed a six-year, $6 million contract at age 28. We all know how that ended up. Vasilevsky even. Signed a big deal, 9.6 for eight years when he was 26. That looked good for a few years. Now, how does it look? He's injured to start the season. He didn't look like himself last year. Who knows how that's going to end up? They're still on the hook for five more years of him. Jacob Markstrom for Calgary signs a six-year, $6 million deal at age 30. How did that look last year? He's 33 now. Not looking good for the Calgary Flames. On and Grubauer and Lehner and on and on and on it goes. Goalies don't age well. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good you have been. These guys wear down and they wear down fast. So how does this contract look? Maybe it's good for one year. Maybe it's good for two years. I think 8.5 is too much to pay goaltender in the first place. I think everybody knows how I build my team. It's down the middle and on the back end. You can put a good goaltender in and win a Stanley Cup. We saw that last year with Aiden Hill. So, oof. Is you got you to commend them for it, Tim, though. They're going for it. They're saying, we're investing in our team. We're not rebuilding. This is our team. But like you mentioned, what have, what have you done for me lately? You made the Western Conference final six years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Because like, I want this team to be good. You have a top five goaltender. You have a legit 40-goal center. You have an elite scoring winner. You have a Norris caliber voted uh, defenseman in Josh Morrissey who put up incredible numbers last year. There's a lot of pieces here and the playing in a central does work to their favor. So maybe they are a, a playoff team this coming year, but it's just like, I don't know. It's, the goalie thing is a good point because the first two examples you listed, um, Bobrovsky and Carey Price, injuries, issues, one or two just incredible elite years where they bring their team to the cup finals. Mm-hmm. Each of them once, right? Um, Bobrovsky obviously did other stuff before joining uh, Florida, but that's what you kind of hope for. It's like, okay, in that five-year span, in the next five years, I know they signed, what, seven-year deals? But in the next five years, you're hoping for one of those runs. 
that's what that's what realistically is like you know you're not going to compete every year hellebuck was terrible two seasons ago came back last year was very good again you're hoping for one of those runs runs in the next couple of years might be this year might be two or three years from now that's their best case scenario and then once you get there it's it's a crapshoot depends on who you're playing what pieces you added going back to 17 18 we talked about this many times that team was stacked this is this yeah. is buffaloing right this is Truba and um, who else? Myers was the other back. Ben Sherrod, Tyler Myers. Like they had a stud. Tyler Myers wasn't there yet, but it was Sherrod. It was Truba. It was Bufflin. It was all those stud defensemen that they had. They were and they so had good. And they so did, incredibly good. They added Paul Stasny at the deadline. That was their mm-hmm. one move they made. So they missed some windows of opportunity here and they can't let it slip by again. Sorry, Tyler Myers was there. Excuse okay. Me. Yeah. And this is, you know, prime Blake Wheeler. This was a great, great team. Patrick Laine, he scored 44 goals that year. He was unstoppable. Yeah, and that's so. the team that went to the Western Conference Finals. So I feel like you're you're hoping for one year like that. That's the best case scenario here. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. And it, this is going to end up like the Minnesota Wild the summer they signed Parisian Suter. I was thinking the same thing. Someone sent that in yesterday. Identical contracts. Everybody's happy. Nobody's happy about this. That's the funny thing. Like if you, if you talk to Winnipeg Jets fans, they're a little irked by this. Why not wait? Why not do this earlier in the offseason? Why now? Right, right at the start of the season. I don't understand the timing of it, A. And these guys haven't proven that they're going to win in Winnipeg. They've had their best teams. They're they're. Their best teams are behind them. When you look at this team coming up, it's a good team. Like you said, they'll make the playoffs. You lose Pierre-Luc Dubois. You have a young kid, Cole Perfetti. He's good. I like the Gabriel Velarde trade. I, I like that. Alex, I follow. It's good. Your back end's okay, but man, in my eyes, what I would have done, I would have traded these guys. I would have moved on. I would have built around our young guys, Perfetti. I would have built around Velarde. You have some good young draft picks in the system with Barlow and Lambert and Lucius and Chibrikov. Like those are all first round picks who you can kind of mentor and mold. You have, still have good players to kind of shield them from hard minutes with Connor and Ehlers and those guys. But it, it, it is what it is. You know, you got to sign them. It, it, are, you, are you better with the devil you know or you don't know? You trade these guys and you wake up and your first rounders are garbage and you're just, what do you do? I think Shovel Dayoff knows his time is limited in Winnipeg. He's got a couple years left. He's been playing with house money for years. People have been calling for his head for a long time. So these contracts will look good for two years. Man, fast forward three, four, five years, and these are going to look terrible. They just bought out Wheeler last year for Pete's sake. He was making 8.25, and you just bought him out. So this this will be okay. They'll be fine for the next few years. But gosh, come 2026, Tim. Both of these contracts are going to look really bad. And I think, unfortunately, especially Connor Hellebuck, once he hits 33, 30, 34, and they don't kick in until next year. That's the thing. So this is an eight-year commitment to these guys. So it's great, great to talk about, but I, I was not expecting this whatsoever at all. So, yeah, Winnipeg will make the playoffs. They'll get the third or fourth seed in the Central, and you know they'll lose in the first round. Anything else on this, Tim, before we move on to another signing? No, let's talk about the other one over in Buffalo. This is a, this was another one that was probably not surprising, but maybe the timing of it, because we thought it would get done earlier in the summer or they'd wait till closer to further in the season. But they locked up Rasmus Dahlin, eight years, $11 million, which makes him the third highest paid defenseman right now. Some people think it's an overpay. Some people think it's incredible value. Where do you land on this spectrum? I think it's fantastic. I think you're looking at a guy who was just starting to understand how to play the game. I, I think he will end up and Buffalo's had some really good defensemen play for them. They've had uh, Phil Housley. They've had Craig Ramsey. They've had some good defensemen. This guy will go down as potentially the best defenseman to suit up for the Buffalo Sabres. He is that type of player. He was a little shaky, you know, his first year. Don't get me wrong. The Sabres were bad. He really exploded last year for the Buffalo Sabres. He quieted down his D-zone game. He was confident. He jumped up in the rush. He was physical. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. Like, the guy's not a small man. And he put up an incredible amount of points. What did he get, 73 points in 78 games? This guy's good, Tim. He will go down. He'll have his name in the rafters with the other stars, the French Connection and Hashik and LaFontaine. This will be one of, if not, the best defensemen to play for the Sabres. And I think this is a steal. We mentioned last show that this guy could be making $13, $14 million. I think 
Adams listens to this podcast and he panicked and he went out and he signed it because $11 million next year won't be much. If the cap does rise for four or $5 million and we get to that $90 threshold, this will be a steal. And then you fast forward to 31, 32, when the kid's only 29, 30 years old, and the average defenseman will be making six, $7 million, and the stars will be making 15, 16 million. This will be a steal. This will be a McKinnon, Marshawn type deal in my eyes in a few years, because I don't know. Do you put him in the McCarr Fox category? Is he that good, or does he still have to show you something? No, he's there. He's there. He's, he's not maybe like he's the bottom of that category you know he's he's a four to six range of all time or nhl defenseman right now but he's there he's in that group with uh i would put mcavoy there yossi headman still like he's with those guys the points he puts up the minutes he logged i saw um, i was reading a report yesterday he's probably the best defenseman in the league uh with the puck on his tape in terms of decision making in terms of outlet passes in terms of his ability to join the rush and everything he's just he's incredible and he's physical He's like, he doesn't look that strong. You look at his arms and he's got kind of like, I wouldn't say noodle arms, but he's not a big boy, but he plays the body very, very well. He's going to continue to get stronger. He's still very young. I think it's a steal. And then you add Owen Power, who's probably going to renew next summer. They're going to have their blue line locked up for the next decade. So really, really cool for them. Yeah, the Sabres are doing it the right way. They're locking this guy in. I think it's a great deal for all, all buddy, everybody concerned in this, this, uh, this group. It's, it's a lot of money. $88 million is a lot of money, but the Sabres, Tim, are making good good contract moves on their team. I don't see one guy on their team who is overpaid. Not one player. Maybe Skinner, but they didn't sign that contract for him, $9 million. But Tage is a steal at $7 million. Dylan Cousins, uh, I think it's a good deal. I think he's exactly what he's worth. 7.1. You got Tuck at 475. That's a great deal. And then you have some good guys on the back end. Uh, I like this Sabres team. There's still some room. They they have some money to spend. They have $8 million still to play with, which is crazy. But man, the Sabres, Kevin Adams, for as much as the Sabres have had complete dysfunction on, on their GM level, president level, gosh, when I was there, we had... Darcy Regeer, then we went to Murray, Tim Murray, then we went to Pat LaFontaine, then it was like, there was just, it was a mess. I think they finally figured it out. Kevin Adams, he was ripped up and down when he was hired. He's like, he has no experience. All he does is coach minor hockey in Buffalo. What are you doing making him the GM? This is a a homer um, pick. He's done great. He's done absolutely fantastic with the Buffalo Sabres. Don Granado obviously has the team. They they play for him. They respond to his message. So good for the Sabres. It's a good deal for them. And I like that these small market teams, because I know Winnipeg's in Canada. It's a small market team. The one silver lining is players, are, they want to play there. Because I think there's this narrative, especially in Winnipeg, the star players would rather play in a bigger market, nicer area, not not a hard winner like Buffalo and Winnipeg. It's nice to see people investing in these small market teams, you know, players staying and then the owners stepping up and playing, paying these guys money. So it's nice to see. Good for Darlene. Good for Hellbook and Shifley. That's a lot of money. Like, it's a lot of money. It's crazy. $88 million. If you're the average unbiased hockey fan, after your favorite team, wouldn't the Sabres kind of be a team that most people like? They're kind of the darlings of the league right now in terms, I mean, they've been bad for so long. The way they built their roster is like how you'd want your team to build a, a cup contender over the years. They've had a lot of rebuilds, a lot of resets. They finally got their group. It's just an easy group to root for. You know, it's like, who doesn't like Dylan Cousins? Who doesn't like Rasmus Dahlin? Like, yeah. they're still missing the goalie. They haven't figured that out, but they don't need to yet. They'll they'll either address it if they're competing this year, and they'll trade for him, or they'll do it next summer. It's okay. They're yeah, taking they're their a time. fun team to root. And you know what? They're doing it the way I told them to. Their de- <laughs> their defense is terrific. Honestly, Dahlin, they got power. You got that kid Samuelson. They have a very good defense and they're just getting better. When you look at the ages of these guys in the back end, 23, 23, Owen Powers, 20, Yuka Haru's 24, Jacob Bryson's 25. And you got Connor Clifton too. He's a good solid NHL defenseman. He's only 28, Tim. They have a good young core. Nobody's really 
moving the needle on the other side. I guess Eric Johnson. I don't know why they bring in Eric Johnson. I guess yeah. for some veteran leadership. But other than that, and him and Ocposo, everybody's in their 20s. This team, it's a good team. Well, it's think not about great. When, three years ago, they were just nowhere, right? And they got rid of their bad back-end contracts with Tyler Myers and Reese Delinen. Jeff Skinner was the one who was the most overplayed player in the league for ever. Last year, he has 35 goals, 82 points, 33 the year before. Like, he's worth it. He, it's a good team. I'm very excited about them. I wonder what happened to him in 2019, 20, and 2021. He had 14 goals and then seven goals. Like, what? <laughs> it just shows you that a lot of it is just mental because it's not like he all of a sudden forgot how to score. He was the same player. Then he gets 33 and 35 the next two years. And it's just confidence is in Nail Yakupov talked about it. He's like, meant the mental game is so important in hockey. But yeah, good for Jeff Skinner resurrecting his career. That guy was public enemy number one in Buffalo for a while. He was just getting ripped up and down. Buy him out, trade him. He's a guard. Why'd you get this guy? Bring in Taylor Hall. They got Eric Stahl. It was just all over the place with the Sabres. Good for them. I don't think they're Stanley Cup contenders yet, but they're they're on the right direction. I think they're closer to a cup than the Winnipeg Jets. Without a doubt. I agree. Yeah. Anyways, another signing, Tim. Who else signed? Number one center in Minnesota. Yeah, Ryan Hartman signed an extension for three years at $4 million per. I had just one reaction to this, and I put it on our notes. His own team doesn't even think he's a number one center because he's not getting paid like it. Third, he's getting paid like a third liner, and that's probably... probably I saw that note that you put on the agenda, and I, I chuckled to myself. I was like, that is so true. This guy has been your number one center for the last two years. He's been riding shotgun to Zuccarello and Kaprizov, two really, really good players. He got 65 points two years ago. He got 37 last year in an injury-shortened season where he only played 59 games. And you're giving him four million bucks for three years. Still a lot of money. But yeah, first-line centers are getting shape play money. You know, eight and a half, nine million dollars. <laughs> it's really funny. So anyway, this is a good deal for Minnesota, right? Like it's good for them. They are just really tied up against the cap because of the aforementioned Parise Suter contracts that they signed a few years ago. They're eating 12, what is it, 14 million dollars this year that they have to eat against dead money that they can't even. Yes, yeah, 14.743588 for the next two years. That's a lot of money. That's two solid players. So they're they're really, you know, pinching their pennies. It's a good deal for both player and team. Hartman is a good player. I think he I think he knows his situation. He's lucky to be playing with those two players. So he's not going to go to the negotiating table and be like, I'm holding out. And they'll say, we could get a lot of players to take your spot. Just so you know, like you're hitting the fantasy lottery all the time, getting your play with those two guys. You're not a first line center. I think everybody knows it. His contract shows it. And then it just got me thinking, when's the last time the Minnesota Wild had a first-line center? Because when I played for the Wild, I was in their organization for four years. The best center was Miko Koivu. Is he a first-line center? Eh, maybe. He, Not he was elite, a very right. yeah. He was fundamentally sound. He didn't make mistakes in the D zone. He was good in the face-off circle. He was very, he was a solid centerman, but he wasn't, you know, no team's game plan versus Miku Koivu, right? He wasn't that guy. And I went back and I looked, I'm like, okay, they've had Hartman. They've had Hartman. They had Eric Stahl in 1920. He only put up 47 points. Then they had Michael Grandlin. Before that, he put up 49 points. I think the last time they had legit, Centerman in their prime was Eric Stahl in 1718. 1718, Tim. Six years ago, he had 76 points. They have never, and I went back and back and back and back. Minnesota Wild came into the league in 2001. So in 23 years, they have never had a centerman get a point per game. Not one. Not one. Not even Connor in McDa- the shortened seasons? Not even in the shortened season. Connor McDavid got 150 some points last year. He's a centerman. Their second line center, Dreinsidel, had 100 million. Like so, it's not abnormal for a centerman to get a point per game. It's it's fairly normal. The closest they had was Brian Rolston in 2005, 2006, has 79 points. Just just a bit 
just a bit short. Why can't the Wild get a centerman for any of these success? Like they've had very good wingers. They've had very exciting wingers. They have one now with Kirill Kaprizov, Marion Gabrick. They've had good players. I just, it's amazing that some teams just can't get talent, but they can. Do you think it's just it, it's just the Minnesota Wild how they're built? Jacques Lemaire was their first coach. He preached defensive hockey, much like the New Jersey Devils. That's just their mantra. Do you think the Wild are still trying to be that team, or I don't know why can't they get a good center with him? Some things just happen that way, but I don't want to undersell. I mean, we Hartman's playing those top line minutes, but Joel Erickson Eck is a legit, very good center, Selkie caliber guy. Not going to put up a ton of points though. You know what I mean? Like he's probably a number one center, but he's no. a bottom. He's a bottom tier number one center. I mean, no it, way he's a number one center. You bite your tongue. He had <sighs> sixty one points last year. That's as high as he's ever had. He's not a number one center. He's a good second or third line centerman. He's at least the second. He's at least the second because he because he plays shut down hockey too while putting up sixty points. So I feel like if he wasn't, don't you think he could put up? But most of those guys that like Sean Couturier, Joel Erickson, Eck, maybe not Dano, but don't you feel like a lot of those guys could put up more points if they wanted that to be their game? Yeah, of course. So don't you think he could be an eighty point player if he was if his only task was to score goals? No, I don't because he would do that if he wanted to. Guys don't want to play defense, okay? That's, mm. They don't. What would you rather do, score goals or play in the defensive zone and block shots and chase around the other team's best player? Yeah, but ask that of like Bergeron and Taze and Ryan O'Reilly and Couturier. Yeah. And all those guys love the game that they played. They they embrace that role. But they were also putting up crazy numbers. I don't think there's. that's a very select few. Did I want to punch people in the face to get my face bashed in? No, I would much rather be a shutdown defenseman. I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? There was guys who were better. So there's a reason Joel Erickson Eck is a second and third line centerman. He's not good enough to be a first line guy. So let's, let's, the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup last year. Down the middle, they had Eichel, Eichel Chandler Stevenson, and William Carlson. All three of those guys are better than anybody on Minnesota Wild. In the centers, in the centers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All three of them. It's close. Yeah. I could argue, but yeah, I'll give it to you. Eichel's, All three of them. Yeah. I just feel like you need to have strength down the middle. I've said it time and time again. They don't have it. The, the Leafs know that. That's why they went on and gave John Tavares a boatload of money. That's why they're tinkering with Willie Nylander at the center position. They know how important it is to have solid centermen. That's why Connor Bedard is starting the NHL in the middle. It's so valuable to have that strength down the middle. And Minnesota doesn't have it. They don't have it. They never have had it. And so good for Hardman, three years, $4 million. But it just, I think the signing just makes it completely obvious why the Wild haven't been able to get over that hump. They they don't have the strength down the middle. Eric Stahl was good for them. I'll give him that. He was the one guy when they brought in. I was like, oh, that's a good good pickup for them. All right. What else is going on? Quick hits, Tim. Shane Wright. Overwhelming first overall choice a couple years ago. He was the guy. Everybody knows how he unceremoniously dropped. Not one, not two. Not What, what did he end up going? Five or six? I can't remember yeah. what number he was. To the Seattle Kraken. Well, he just got sent down to the AHL. The Seattle Kraken, they petitioned for an exemption to the NHL, AHL. I don't know who they send their petition to. It got accepted. Shane Wright would be too good to go back to the OHL. So they said, you know what? We'll let you send him to the AHL. Typically, you're not allowed to. There's an age restriction. I think you have to be 20 to go to the AHL. He's not 20 yet. They're letting him go to the Seattle Thunderbirds. I don't know. I don't even know where they're. Portland Thunderbirds? Wherever he's going, he's going to the AHL, Seattle Kraken's team. The kid's having a bad, bad day. But you know what? There's there's light at the end of the tunnel for Shane Wright. Because guess what? Even though he's having a bad day, he can save 25%, Tim, on all of his gambling losses. All he has to do is sign up for givebetter.com. Let him know that we sent you. And you get 25% back that goes to Cherry on every bet that you lose. You still win, you win. You win, you take that money home. They're not touching it. But if you lose, 
and everybody loses, right, Tim? Nobody's a winner all the time. You know that more than everybody, right, Tim? Yes, fine. Tim loses all the time. But give better kind of takes the bite away from those losses because at least you know you're doing something good. You're giving 25% of your losses to charity. And it's a fantastic thing. Everybody feels good about giving money to charity. And you can feel good about gambling now, even though it hurts to loss. So sign up now. Go to givebetter.com. If you're in Canada, you can sign up today. If you're in the USA, not quite yet. They're still rolling that out. I think January 1 is the is the time frame for that, but you can pre-register. Tell them you sent us. It's fantastic. It's give better B-E-T-T-O-R. All your losses, Tim, that you lose on the 25% are tax deductible. So it's a win if you win. It's a win if you lose. And then it's a win come tax season. So it's a win-win-win. I don't know why you wouldn't do this. You're making money. You're helping people out. You're losing money. You're saving on your tax returns. You can write it off. It's a no-brainer. This thing is going to revolutionize the gambling sports betting industry. Tim and I jumped on really early because we really like this company. Check out givebetter.com. Tell them we sent you. Anything else I missed there, Tim? No, you nailed it. I mean, the 25% back to think about your favorite charity and how much money you'd love to give to them by losing sports betting, which we all do. Some more than others looking at me. Yeah. So you should bet more because you give more. It's it's such a great idea. It, it really is a great concept. Anyways, moving on. Matt Murray, Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender, who was going to start last year in the playoffs, underwent surgery, a successful bilateral hip surgery, which doesn't sound good. Anytime you're a goalie and you're getting bilateral hip surgery, ew, this is the end of your career, my friend. He's expected to mix a minimum of six to eight months. I will say it now. I'm going to call it. The guy will never step foot on the ice again in the NHL game. Good for Matt Murray. Won a couple Stanley Cups, signed a big ticket. Absolutely cratered his career. But hopefully he's, you know, able to walk. I think that's that's kind of the bigger thing. Can he have a life after hockey? Hip surgeries doesn't sound fun. No, yeah, it's a quality of life thing. I was going to ask you that same question when you answered it ahead of time. I think he's played his last game in the NHL. Solid career. Too bad the way it ended. Two cups, you know, pretty much ruined Mark andre Fleury's career in Pittsburgh. Right? Like, got him exodus out of Pittsburgh. So, I don't know. Good career. A goalie, it's a tricky position because there's not many starting jobs. There's 32 now. When you get one, you grab onto it. And and there's a lot of guys like Matt Murray who are there. They play well, and then they're just gone. Never to be seen, heard from again. So, good. He, he, he left his mark. All right. Jake Muzzin. Not so surprising. Announced he's retiring from the NHL. Who cares? But... Much like Give Better, there's light at the end of the tunnel because he he got a very hard-to-get job, a very sought-after job that not a lot of people can get. He's a scout for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just good, good. Another guy on the hook for a paycheck with the team. He's good. Good for him. All right, what else, Tim? Uh, have you seen this story? 25-year-old Matthew Phillips signed with Washington. He's the lightest player ever in the history of the National Hockey League at 140 pounds. He's 5'7". He's 5'7", which is not the shortest. Obviously, he's down there. But even Gerby, who was 5'4", was 25 pounds heavier. 25 pounds heavier than Matthew Phillips. 5'7", 140 pounds Crazy, crazy, crazy. Is this verified he's 140? Like, is this legit? It has to be because he just had camps and weigh-ins and all that stuff, right? Like, wouldn't you think it was accurate? How? And he's not 18 years old. No, 25. He's 25. This is outrageous. I got to see a picture of this guy because, Tim, 140 pounds. That's not a lot. If you cut off your leg at the hip, how much would that leg weigh? It'd be like... More than 140 pounds. <laughs> well, I weigh 280 right now. So, but I'm all torso. You're probably what 75 uh, pounds a leg. I don't know. It's just seriously. It's it's that's outrageous. Yeah, my wife. I, I should talk about weight. <laughs> yeah. No, good for him though. Not it's a cool good, story. No. He only has three NHL games in his career, all with Calgary. Just kept scoring. He scored an overtime goal against the Bruins in the in the preseason. He just kept on the roster, earned his spot for sure. Because you know a guy like that, 
has had an uphill battle for every team he's probably played for probably his whole life. Certainly in the last, you know, his professional life. So cool story. Good for him, but it's just funny. I want to see him, you and him next to each other. Well, do you remember there was a famous picture of me and Nathan Gerby in the yeah. locker room where I'm holding him out and it looks like he's on his knees, but he's standing straight up. Speaking of making the roster, Matthew Potras. Poitras? Potra, yeah. Potra. Potra. Made the Bruins roster. What do you expect for this kid? Because I know people were talking about that other young kid making an impact on the Bruins. They need centermen. Obviously, you lose Bergeron. Huge holes to fill there. Where does he end up? He's starting the season on the third line with Frederick and Gecki. Does he jump up to the second, first line potentially? I think you'll see him get a shot um, on probably one of those two lines, either with Marchand or Pasternak, just because of upside, really. Because you you lose your two best centers and you kind of like have those two holes. Right now, they're going to start with Zaka and Coyle as the one and two C. But you're going to see yep. Patois, and then you also had uh, Johnny Beecher, who's going to be the the fourth down, the fourth line center spot. And Danton Heinen still in the mix. He's not a center, but the, their roster's still not finalized. But these guys were good enough that AJ Greer got waived and he was claimed by Calgary. He's gone now. So there's a couple other like little, you know, implications to this team. I think Petra gets a shot at some point in the next, you know, the first 10 or 20 games centering that top line. You see how he does. He had a great preseason. Um, even Marshawn said he reminded him a little bit of Bergeron, the way he sees the ice and how he just goes to the dirty areas and all that. So good for him. Not a huge guy. Still pretty young. So he's got, I think he's 19. Like he's very young. So it'll be good to see what he does, but good for him for making the roster just to start. Let me ask you, why why did I get Bergeron so late in the fantasy draft last night? I know we had a down year last year. He was battling some injuries, but why don't I, I thought, I think I got him in the fifth round. Yeah, that was a steal. Just a heads up play on your part. And uh, you obviously did your research. So good for you. You showed did us. Did not do my research, but I got him. I'm just looking at my team now. It's I don't love it. Um, I'm not a fan of it, but I did. No. Give me I Jack did get some, I mean, Jack Hughes. I, I got some good goalies. I got Vitek Vanacek, who plays for the Devils. He's going to get a ton of wins. And I get Aiden Hill. I think he's going to pile up the wins, too. Then I got Jonas Corposalo from Ottawa, who's going to play 65 games. So I wanted Stuart Skinner. Someone snagged him like the couple picks before I was going to take him. But I don't love my team. You know, I, I switched it off near the end, and then I end up with Montour, who's in the IR. Svechnikov, I thought, was going to start the season. Now he's on the IR for who knows how long. So there's some work to do. I got some waiver claims out for some defensemen. I really wanted Tony Delangelo. He was <laughs> yeah. he was another guy who was in my queue, and then someone snagged him like ten picks before I was going to take him. I was very frustrated with that. But yeah, make some moves. I, I don't love my team either, but I feel like it's pretty good. I have two great goalies with uh, Sorokin and Samsonov, and Akira Schmid is my third. Um, so those, those are good goalies. Good. Yeah which I never invest in goalies that early, but just the way the draft went, I had the fifth pick. It's a terrible place to be. So I pick goalies. I think with fantasy hockey, half the points are goalies. So you have to, you know, invest in goaltenders. I made that mistake last year. And that's why I, I picked goalies early and often. I got Vanacek, I think, with my sixth pick. The guy's going to pile up. He's going to lead the league in Wednesday this year. He is. If he doesn't, then Schmid will be right there with him. So. I hope Schmid gets hurt, breaks his hip. But okay. that's just me. I'm a positive. Speaking of positive stuff, my alma mater. People asked him about tougher up north gear. I don't know. Call the campus store. It might be sold out. I have no idea. Yeah, call the campus store in Michigan Tech if you want some of that stuff. It's very, very fun. I know they have Heart of the Husky stuff on the website. Who knows? I don't. I don't keep track of stocking product but it sits there it's around it's it's good product anyways back to tech they're opening their season home opener this weekend tim guess where they're ranked in the nation last year there were what 17 18 something like yeah, that yeah they were there yeah they're ninth top 10 in the nation can you believe that a small school in northern michigan ninth in the nation is this the first of- time they've started the season that high yeah, this is a this is a big deal for them. They're returning a lot of players. Last year they had a ton of freshmen incoming. They had a good draft class or incoming recruitment class. They can't draft, but good for Michigan Tech. Heads up. This is and you know what else? I'm I'm not trying to pump them for no reason. Michigan Tech was the only school 
in Michigan to see an enrollment uptick year on year. They have never had a year where they lost enrolls. Michigan State's losing students. University of Michigan's losing students. All the t- all the schools in Michigan are losing students. Western, Central, all of them. Ferris. Tech keeps increasing. They have their largest class this year, and they're going to overdo it this coming year. So, telling you cool. to. I told you, I've it's, been working. It's a good school. I've been working in higher ed for the last three years for a marketing agency that specializes. Every school is hurting. No one's hitting their enrollment numbers. Everyone's spending more on recruitment and admissions and ads and marketing, and their classes are getting smaller. So it's pretty. It's pretty unheard of. Good for good for the school. Do you know why it is? Because of the the technical degrees, the the jobs, I'm guessing. That's exactly. Do they have a right. philosophy program on campus? No, because there's they don't have any joke degrees. Every degree you give out at Michigan Tech, you're going to get a job from right away. There's no political science. There's history. none of that junk. No history major. I was a history major. Yeah. Look, do you, do you practice your history degree right now? I still read history books for fun. So. Yeah, not a lot of money there. Speaking of that, we had a listener ask if you're going to put up one of your LARPing helmets in the background. Is that going to happen? It, eventually. Actually, my mom um, went through a, a box of stuff over the weekend, was sending me pictures of what I had because we moved quickly last year. So she's going to send me some stuff that I can decorate the wall with. I'll get the helmet up there at some point. Should I put my book under there on the shelf? You definitely I, should. I feel like it's tacky, though. I feel like that's like, oh, there's my book. If you have a book, you put it on the shelf. Okay. Where's yours? I don't like my book. (laughs) If you have a book, you put it on the shelf. I don't have one in my office. I think I have one at my house in a box somewhere, but I just don't buy my book. It's good. It's a bestseller, but I don't get any money from it. Are we still in line for an interview this week? Derek Stepan. Yeah, very exciting. I think, I know the show's gone on quite a while now. This is one of these interviews where everyone's going to walk away from this going like, this guy's a good dude. Why did we not know about him? Because he has a great personality. He's fun. He's relaxed. It's going to be a good interview. I really liked Derek Stepan when I was there. When I played with him with the Rangers, I loved palling around with him. It was him. His group was like him and Ryan McDonough. Love those kids. They're so fun. But anyways, yeah, he's on Thursday. It's going to be good. Maybe we drop it Thursday night, Friday morning, but I don't know. Yeah, so check it out. Derek Stepan just retired from the Calgary Carolina Hurricanes, not the Calgary Flames. Anything else, Tim? No, we're watching hockey tonight. That's my uh, that's all oh, I can think about right now. Buckle up, baby. It's Bedard time. Let's get Bedarded. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.